0: It's always soccer in Philadelphia, and we have breaking news to deliver to you on a Thursday or a Friday or whenever you may be listening to the podcast. But the news is that your Philadelphia Union are the hottest team in town. Well, there's only two teams playing right now. It's the Philadelphia Phillies and the Philadelphia Union, so only one of them can be the hottest team in town, but it does happen to be your team, your town, your Philadelphia Union, and we're gonna talk about that today on the podcast. a special uh, mailbag episode, Kevin Kincaid here with Baxter who is uh, he's, he's moved the, the uh, window curtains out of the way and he's kind of like laying on the ground looking out the front window. So yeah, I didn't really have a guest lined up for this week and uh, Dave only usually I mean, we only do like once every other week where he's here in studio. so um, you know but I figured after after another huge win, uh, five in a row in all competitions, four in a row in the league. That we should do at least something, right? So, uh, your questions, comments, and concerns—that's what we're gonna do for the podcast. Maybe, if, maybe if you're lucky, we'll do some uh, we'll do some mean crossing broad comments as well, because I think there were a couple from a story that I wrote today. But anyway, without further ado, let's get right into it. Josh Foreman, what exactly have the Union done that is different from the beginning of the season slash when they were bad? Is it as simple as getting Scory Bur- <laughs> Scory Burke? That's a good one, and uh, Doge call acclimated. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, yes and no. Uh, to use a line that John Hackworth liked to use. Yes and no. Uh, you know Corey Burke starting scoring. You know he's making good runs in the final third. You know C J playing on the wing now. You know the the goal scoring and the hold up play. That burden has been lifted off his shoulders you know it's it's not like he's you know the onus of of having to do everything is not there anymore so he's not getting killed by a couple of center backs he doesn't have his back to goal all the time he's actually pretty good when he's running at people jack elliott came back into the lineup playing lights out at right center back uh really good pass for the ball doesn't make the mistakes that mark mckenzie was making um andre blake Look, looking more like himself not to say that he wasn't himself earlier in the year or even last year but just making you know highlight real saves uh you know it's clicking in the midfield doge call and bedoya and kind of understand each other's strengths now, how each of them play because um, two of them really are non-traditional kind of midfielders if you think about it but they understand the spacing uh, the fullbacks have been really good ray gaddis keegan rosenberry very good passers playing a high level what else what am i missing um Pico continues to be good on the left hand side. You know, they're doing all this, still getting nothing from David akam you know, uh, who was supposed to be kind of the difference maker this year. So yeah, it's a lot of different things. John Mansour, what are the chances the union midfield stays intact for twenty nineteen? Dogecom and Dunian and bedoya Um, I mean they they're well they relatively high, I think. You know, if if you like what you see from Dogecoin now, I guess he's what up to second or third in in assists now in the league that should be enough for you to want to, to want to bring him back next year. You know, um, Harris, Medunian and signed for next year, but Doy's is good. Um, so yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you, uh, why wouldn't you want to keep going that route? You know, unless something happens with Dutch call where you can't get him back, but I, I can't imagine that's not the case. Um, rich says how much play rotation does Curtin do with the first team while Bethlehem steel is in a playoff race, uh, themselves. Well, steel doesn't really matter one bit right now. Um, you know, they'll do everything to get the first team ready. And, you know, with with a chunk of games that are coming up, something like six games in however many days coming up, um, obviously the first team's the only priority. Uh, Mike Markowitz says, any idea why MLS schedules games on Sunday in September and October to go head-to-head with the NFL? Seems like a really bad business decision to me. Uh, well, I think they kind of have to. I don't really think they have much choice because you know Fox and and ESPN are loaded up with uh, with college football on Saturdays all day. Uh, you know Sunday, you know people who are watching MLS probably aren't. There's probably not as much overlap with the with the NFL crowd. So, you know, it's just when the time slots are available more than anything. I think. Um. Justin says, with this midfield playing as well as it is, does this give the union extra incentive to work out a permanent transfer for Doge call? Yeah, I mean, it should. It absolutely should. Um, you know, he's a big part of it. So, I mean, go back to the beginning of the season and what was the, what was the big storyline, right? It's a number, number 10. You need a number 10. got to have the number 10, right? So now they have the number 10. So now that you have him, are you going to let him go? I mean, hopefully not. Uh, you know, looking at the assist chart now, Kaku's up there number one with 14 and Doge Call is tied uh, in, you know, for second with 13. You know, I don't know how many of those are, are secondaries, you know, like the assist that he got last night was a secondary. I don't know how many are primaries. I wish MLS would, you know, divide those up. I, it doesn't mean you got to, doesn't mean you're not including them uh, in the assist total, but like I'd love to have a separate column that says how many were primaries and how many were secondaries just to, to give us another layer you know, we've got every single statistic under the sun these days, but they still just lump all the assists um, together into one thing. Uh, Cuz 729, where is the parade route going to be after the U win MLS Cup? Um, well, they're not going to win MLS Cup, but uh, if they did do a parade, that's a good question. Like what what would they do if they won something? You know, it would probably be similar to what uh, – the what Villanova had the last couple of years, where you know you're not marching from, uh, you know Wells Fargo Center up to the uh, Art Museum steps or vice versa, but you give them like a stretch, uh, stretch of Market Street, finish up at City Hall, and do kind of like a rally there. Uh, I think that would get enough enough people, right? Wouldn't that warrant? Wouldn't there be enough Union fans out there? I don't I don't know Villanova how you compare Villanova basketball to to Philadelphia Union fan base or fan support. I'd actually be interested in kind of looking at that. I don't know. Cause, you know, it's obviously like the temple people and the St. Joe's people don't give a shit about Nova. So they're not going out to the parade, but would that person come out to see the union lift the trophy? I don't know. Uh, Cullen says, should Jim Curtin require orange slices be eaten at the half of all the way games? Now, yeah, if you didn't see the clip on the internet, um, the dooney and walks over to the DC uh, bench when they were eating uh, oranges during the, the hydration break. When the, when the wet, the wet globe bulb, the wet bulb globe, something Audi player index hit, hit a certain level. <laughs> and So they have to go over and do it. Um, but that was pretty fine. That was a good moment. Um, Stan, uh, union plays six times in 14 days, starting on September 15th. Does curtain actually rotate or just dump a game with the second team in one of the games leading to the USOC final? So this is probably the biggest topic. Um, for this podcast, at least, and going forward. So the schedule now is Orlando at Orlando on Saturday. Then they get two weeks off. And then they get home to Montreal on the 15th, at Seattle on the 19th, home to KC on the 23rd, then at Houston the next Wednesday for the U.S. Open Cup final. So they play Orlando, no problem. Play Montreal at home, no problem. Play the starters, right? You go to Seattle which was a game that was rescheduled. They, it turns out, you know, ironically, they really got burned from this game because that was the one that was supposed to be played earlier in the year, and uh, they moved it to accommodate Seattle, who was in the CONCACAF Champions League, um, which I, I don't really have a problem with because you're trying to help out MLS clubs against League MX clubs as much as possible, so that's not the worst thing in the world. But, yeah, now the union have how many ever games stuffed in in between here so i think what i would do is i would take the first team out to seattle Seattle seattle's you know as as well as the union have played on the road um at this point i don't think seattle is unbeatable out there and then you come home and you play kansas city at one o'clock on that sunday Uh, yeah i mean i would probably just punt the kansas city game for being honest because it doesn't you know, if, if you're playing Red Bull or Columbus or something that day, I think you'd have to go for it because it's a, a conference game with playoff implications. But you can afford to give away three to Kansas City because it's not a six pointer, you know. So I would just load up with uh, Anthony Fontana and David Accom and Fabian Herbers and whoever you can there. And if you have to play one of, uh, you know, like a. I don't know. Like give CJ like 40 minutes on the wing or something like that. I guess you could live with it, but I mean, yeah, I, I it just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense for them to because you can't go Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, you know, and then you're traveling to Houston probably on you're probably going to have to travel to Houston on Monday to get out there 2 days early for the Open Cup final. So, yeah, I think you just punt. I think you just punt that home game on the on the 23rd against Kansas City um what else we got here david g says does sapong bring more on the right than marcus epps uh yeah i mean i think he does two different kind of players out there uh you know cj I i think you saw you know on his goal last night you know when he's able to get into those advanced positions then it looks like it's two strikers on the field you know and with two striker kind of skill sets you know Corey burke makes that diagonal run he moves the center back just enough uh, to get an angle, uh, you know, on the shot that CJ can follow up on a rebound. So I I think so. Yeah, I do. You know, Marcus is a faster guy who's going to face up and he might be able to beat a defender and put a cross into the box. But CJ gets into those forward areas so that as the momentum shifts and as as the shape kind of melds and molds and whatever, it can look like a four-four-two at time. You do have two legitimate strikers on the field. You just have one that happens to be playing on the wing, as opposed to having one striker on the field and a and a bona fide winger playing on the right side. Um, John Turley says, "Make sure to read some of the crossing broad comments. He got a couple of good ones." Yeah, I'll, I'll um, I'll get around to those. Uh, Teppo's dad says, "Why should or shouldn't my daughter go to West Virginia?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, she should if she's, uh, you know, if she's into what are our good programs? What are we good at? Um, we have a good journalism school. We have a good pharmacy school. We have this, um, like, a forensics, like, uh, you know, crime lab kind of thing that a bunch of people graduated from. They went to do, like, work, work for the FBI and CIA and stuff like that. Um, you know, pretty good football team, pretty good basketball team. Uh, the weather's good out there. It's not a lot of, you know, hustle and bustle of the metropolitan Northeast. Uh, why shouldn't she go there? I don't know. Cause some other place has a better program, but, um, uh, thing I liked about West Virginia was that when I went to, when I went to visit Pitt, they told me not to go to Penn state and not to go to West Virginia. And when I visited Penn state, they told me not to go to Pitt, uh, and not to West Virginia. When I went to West Virginia, they said, just go wherever the hell you want to go. So I don't know. I always, that stuck out to me. I always appreciate that. Uh, J lock. Are we going to make Houston fans feel the pain of losing a final at home? Uh, yeah. I mean, you hope so. Uh, Houston is not playing well. I think they lost, they lost to red bull uh, last night. What is their record going into this? They are, Seven, twelve, and seven, and I don't think they've been in great form. Um, they're six, five, and three at home, um, so they're decent at home. You know, and, and the Union game that they played down there earlier this season. I mean, I, you know, with the with the over with the red card that was overturned, I don't think you can really take that much out of it. But like I said on, on past podcasts, it, you know, it sort of this, you know, mentally whether whether it's legit or not, you kind of have in the back of your head that says, hey, we've won there before, and we did it this year, so. Uh, it's 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 interesting, but they're hitting a bad patch of form right at the right time. So, you hope that continues for another three weeks um, until we get to the Open Cup final. Uh, Andrew Green, does Burke's performance mean no new striker next year with Simpson's cap space? Uh, can he keep the scoring up, or does the reward the striker with a new contract? He scores four goals the next year. Repeat. I I still think you got to go out and get a get a, a better striker i mean nothing against cory he's had a real nice nice push this year but I, I don't i still think you get you try to go dp there and bring in a guy who can get you dub, double digit goals I, I don't i don't see Corey burke right now being any more than prime cj i don't know if that's unfair but just the way that i i watch him play and you know, the career path that CJ Sapong was on and and the things that we saw out of him. I don't, I don't know if Corey Burke is, you know, it's still the same thing. I think that you talk about that we talked about with CJ, the same exercise that when you go down the, you go down the list and you compare your starting striker to everybody else's starting striker. um, You know, I don't think Corey Burke is any better than any of the guys that CJ is not any better than, you know, I mean. Go down the list. Joseph Martinez, is Corey better than him? No. Bradley Wright Phillips, is he better than him? No. Uh, the New York City guys, no. Jossie Zardes, uh, maybe. Um, who's the striker from Montreal? No, is it Mancosu? Uh, I don't know. Um, Wayne Rooney, Lucho Acosta, Sebastian Javinko, Nemanja Nikolic, Dom Dwyer. Uh, you know, I, I still don't – You know, he's still not going to v- – be in the top half of that list, I don't think, and that's just going through the Eastern Conference. So no, no, I think you go for it if you can bring in another striker, um, you know, on a DP salary. But then who goes? I mean, you have Dojicall, Bedoya, you know, a com, and Akam in those DP slots right now. I guess so. I don't know. Akam is kind of kind of a weird issue going into next year, isn't he? Who would have thought? Uh, Andy says it feels like a corner is being turned. Should I be optimistic that? Uh, that it's actually the case, or it's just this, is just the prelude that will make the inevitable Open Cup final loss and the first round playoff exit even more soul crushing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It it's you know the all the question always is, is it sustainable? You know, it's just the pattern they've done it kind of backwards this year. This is usually when they start to turn to crap, like right about now, like a week ago. Um, you know, when they went on the four game winning streak last year, it was May. It was front end of may they went oh four and four and then they won four in a row and then they made their little push in the summer like they normally do and then sort of late august september they kind of bomb out but the schedule is easier this year so um i don't know i really have no idea I'm just gonna try to enjoy it <laughs> well while, while it lasts because uh you know it's been enough it's been enough negativity for a for a lifetime uh, with the union so far um question. Uh given that the union played with the same eleven and mostly the same fourteen sub uh including subs, how many of those players do you expect to play on Saturday? Uh you know, a Com could come in for sure. Um maybe herbers gets a run. Il see, see, you could start El no if you wanted. Um Derek Jones is kinda in this closer role right now. Um Marcus Epps, maybe put him on the bench, put him in the 18 this time around. Yeah, I don't know. That's a weird thing. um because you know, Jim is all G- Jim's Jim Curtin's philosophy has always been, you know, he rarely changes anything when it's working. Uh, and it's for the most part they've been okay with, with that from a fitness standpoint. You know, they trust the sports science. Um, I don't really think they run into noticeable fatigue issues. You know, I, I think they. for the most part at this point they don't need to be practicing are they going to practice they practice they put together a couple nice set piece routines last night so it's more of like walkthrough kind of stuff you know there's there's really nothing in practice they need to work on or or improve at this point maybe just continuing to shoot and try to you know work on stuff in the final third but i don't know i don't really think that's as, as big of a deal you know um Fear and loathing in Chester. Assuming we can get four to six points out of the next two games, what's the best way to handle squad rotation before the Open Cup final? Yeah, with the Seattle, so I kind of answered that. You know, I, I just think you punt KC. I think you do. Um, and put all your eggs in the basket for for the Open Cup. Nobody's going to be sitting there saying, well, why didn't you go for it against Kansas City? I mean, it's, it's ideal. You know, imagine if that Columbus game was on the Sunday before the Open Cup and you had to deal with that shit. You know, where if you think, you know, this team's right above us, we can jump them in a six-pointer and, and solidify a home playoff spot, or we can punt it and go to the Open Cup final. So I think it's kind of a blessing in disguise that they get that rare, like, late-season Western Conference team coming out. Um, Ezra from the Bagel Bistro. <clears throat> or I don't even know. I don't even know what the Bagel thing is. I didn't I didn't ask Ezra when I met him a couple weeks ago. Does Bobby Warshaw's claim that he's higher on Philadelphia than anyone else in the country, uh, parentheses complete bullshit, make you question his integrity and sanity? <laughs> uh, if not, uh, what will? So I can work on that. No, I mean I didn't. I didn't think Bobby was like totally off base. I mean it's it's not. You know I think it's a little you know hyperbole to kind of talk about the union as if they're world beaters or something. I mean there's still a team that's one game above 500 with a negative what now a negative two goal differential so no they're not they're not gonna beat the pants off anybody i don't i don't think anybody's saying that and when he says that you know jim Curtin was kind of ahead of ahead of the curve with um you know playing like a not really rolling out a, a true defensive midfielder and uh you know, like the Bob Bradley comparison where he said they're not really playing with the true number six and they're just sort of putting bodies there. I mean, I don't know how groundbreaking that was or if that's what Jim Curtin was trying to do. It was, to me, it was just sort of like, here are your three best players. Make it work. You know, Madunian you're going to have on the field. Bedoya you're going to have on the field. And it uh, made the most sense to play them as kind of a weird 6-8 combination. So I don't, I don't know if Jim was sitting there thinking, hey, I'm going to, you know, reinvent the wheel with this combination of players. I think it was just sort of what was available to him and what made the most sense, you know? Um Kevin says, does Bedoya mentioning the one first star player mean anything more than the fans saying it? What did you take away from that interview? Yeah, this was the um, the story that Sam Stayskull um, did for MLSoccer.com. Some candid stuff with Ollie in there where he was saying, Yeah, I'd love to have like a high end like superstar player I don't think he mentioned what position did he not not striker right he just sort of said another like star in there um no I mean there's just good stuff from him I don't I don't think it's anything different than than anybody has been saying you know Jim Curtin had the quote about the taking the knife to the gunfight last year you know where which is basically could be seen not as not necessarily shading Jay Sugarman but just an admission of hey we don't have it you know and and Sugarman himself has said that too so it's not like this is some big secret You know, it's interesting to hear it publicly from a player. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard it from a player before. So maybe it means something more. Um, But no, I mean it's not wrong saying what everybody else is thinking. And, And maybe, you know, maybe maybe the takeaway from this, maybe the new angle on this, is that Jay Sugarman, now that this team has won a couple games, you know, and he sees that it's possible for Jim Curtin to string a bunch of kids and a couple pretty good players together maybe it says hey you know maybe i'll make the final investment here and we'll go get um you know a three million dollars we'll we'll make dutch calls loan permanent and we'll go and get a uh three million dollar striker from europe and complete the puzzle and compete for the top four spot next year you know david meyer says has this been the best month ever for the union uh god i mean if it's if it's not it's number two that's for sure um now you know i I think that the buzz during the first month or the first four weeks of the 2011 season was pretty crazy um you know they beat houston on the road to open their second season they had a big game against vancouver uh, i think expansion vancouver i think uh, in the second week, and then I think in the fourth game that was when Roger Torres scored the goal where they beat New York on national TV, beat Thierry Henry on, on national TV. So I, I'd say that that uh, could have been it for sure. But um, otherwise, I mean, this is this would be it, yeah. Uh, Andrew says I think Sapong has found a home. Are you agreeing yet, or uh, still pushing that grassy old bullshit uh, about moving Bedoya up? No, I mean, I still think they're a better team with Bedoya playing on the wing. I mean, it's, it's not to – it doesn't mean CJ hasn't been fine there because he has. But I still think that Bedoya is the best winger on the team. Like, people people got to understand, he. this is what he played for his entire career. Um, you know, come, come back then to a – I mean, do, do you guys remember what he looked like when he played central midfield for the national team? Like, Jurgen tried to play him as a number six, which was dumb, which was dumb and, and pointless, but he played right wing for his entire career. And he played right wing the way that he plays center mid, you know? When he was at Rangers and Helsingborgs and not, like, you know, you come back here at age 29, all of a sudden you're going to switch to a, a central role now. Um, he... he has good attacking qualities he's very good in possession um smart inside the box trends up to that side of the field anyway i mean you look at what the overload was like with the heat maps of the way they're playing i I think if you're putting your best 11 on the field right now i still think Derek jones is more than capable of protecting harris madunian in and helping out in the possession game with bedoya running the right flank I, i don't I'm not going to change my mind. I'm not going to back out of it and bullshit my way out of what what I've been saying all year because I wouldn't have said it if I didn't believe it. I still believe it now. I'm not going to backtrack on it just because CJ had a couple good games on the wing. I still think if I'm making a winger depth chart right now, I still have Bedoya and Pico as my best wingers on the team. He was a United States international, an international caliber player, playing in the French first division for a decent team. Playing on the right wing for most of his career, and then I think it was not actually that moved him into the middle, but he started his career on the flank there. So that's all I'm saying. I don't, I don't think that uh, this. My argument is not does not come from the area of like Bedoya is not a good midfielder because he is, but I think he's his offensive and his attacking qualities are very underrated, and I think you can see more of that, you know, if you're playing him as a right winger. Um, and then Jim Curtin asked a lot defensively from his wingers anyway, and he has a natural tendency to track back and be a good two-way um, team kind of player. So I just feel like he's better out there than he is in the midfield. You know? yeah. Obviously, you're not going to change it now because they're clicking and because he and Doge call and didn't have an understanding. But if I'm going to go back to the beginning of the year when Akam was struggling and Sapong was struggling and whatnot, there was a large chunk of time there where it would have made a lot of sense for Meduja to play on the right, you know. Uh, they play, tried playing him as a 10. He wasn't a 10. Jurgen tried playing him as a 6. He wasn't a 6. So he's either this 8 that they have him playing now or a right winger. Um, Derek says, who will Celtic sign by Friday? Uh, I don't know, but hopefully somebody good, right? Because they don't... Um, didn't they crash out of the Champions League or something? Are they in the Europa League now? I can't remember. Um, there's this guy, Darren Farley, who uh, does uh, he's a Scottish dude or or English? I can't remember who does these amazing impressions. By the way, um, <laughs> and speaking of uh, um, Celtic, he does a really really good um, Brendan Rodgers, which I can't pull I can't pull up on the computer because uh, I can't do, something with the sound card. I can't play audio out of the computer and record at the same time. But I think I can pull it up on my phone here. <laughs> so I just want to play. Um, this, he does these impersonations he does Wayne Rooney he does a good um, Jamie Carragher he does a good uh, uh, who's the Tottenham striker Jesus Christ Harry Kane he does a really good Harry Kane but his best one is Brendan Rodgers by far so let me just um, this is about this is like after week one I think Celtic tied like tied a team or something like that and so he's talking about like Rangers and Celtic and stuff like that All Right here's uh, Darren Farley yeah, uh, first
1: game first win well, I'm very proud. I'm very proud. I think the players worked very hard, very hard, and the, you, you're not going to get a more difficult game than Livingston. It's one of the biggest games in world football, so to win the game 3-1, I was very proud. It was the biggest, the, the greatest performance I've seen from the players since I've been here. So I'm very proud, certainly, but it's going to be very difficult. It's going to be very difficult because Hearts and herburnian they're top of the league on goal difference, so whether or not we can catch them I don't know uh, if we do hopefully we can certainly we've only got you know 300 games to catch them so hopefully we can, <laughs> we can certainly do that so but we show great character Your two main rivals Rangers and Aberdeen played a 1-1 draw did you manage to see the game Brendan? Well I did, I did it was a t- terrific game, it really was a terrific game, some of the throw-ins and the, and the goal kicks there were terrific I mean <laughs> I, 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 I thought Stevie. You know it certainly set them up really good and they did really well you know certainly and, and after watching the game i've got to say uh, i'm physically shaking in my boots physically because the, it's going to be very difficult to beat them they're too
0: incredible <laughs> they're two incredible teams listen you're not going to get a harder game than livingston and i'm very proud of the players very proud <laughs> uh that guy's name's Darren Farley. Um I just X'd out of his thing, so I can't give you the link to it, but I'll I'll share it or something on Twitter. So let me let me get back to the uh thing here and find out where I where I was. Um let me see. I did that one, I did that one, I did that one. Um Okay, Phil Soccer eight. Uh, the biggest limit on trusty's upside appears to be just horrific distribution. Do you think this is something that can be improved? Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't been the greatest passer of the ball. I I think you yeah, know, I think he can learn a lot from from watching Elliot right next to him, you know, where um he doesn't I think tr- one of the things with Trusty is that I think sometimes he's a little too quick to wanna try to Try that. Try to hit that huge long diagonal over the top. And when you're when you're a center back, this happens to to all of all of us because it, you, honestly, you just kind of get a little bit bored back there sometimes in possession. I mean, you're basically just knocking it to your full back and your um, defensive midfielder, right? And everybody and the defensive midfielder always wants like a bazillion touches on the ball, you know, right? But but you want to try something fancy every so often, right? So you try that Hollywood pass and trusty. I think. The thing with Elliot when he hits that, he, I I'd like to actually look at his passing charts if I could, I because I, I feel like he drives more of them. Um, I, I want to say they're like lower, they're a little lower trajectory, so it's easier for the strikers to kind of run onto. I think Trusty's trustees long balls kind of get held up a little bit um, in the air and they kind of get some backspin on it, but I, but I think Elliot's probably a little bit a little bit better at driving those. I think he hit one last night that, that Burke was able to get to the near side. So he was playing right center back, long ball to the right side of the field instead of trying to hit that diagonal because it just takes longer to get over there. And, and most center backs, opposing center backs, are going to have a read on that. So, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing with trustees trustees' game. But that, that comes with time. I mean, you know, it's like the same thing with goalkeepers. You know, the, you, you don't sign a goalkeeper for distribution unless you're Pep Guardiola. Uh, you know shot stopping comes naturally and that's what they're there to do number one and then you work on the the distribution side of the game number two and center backs it's about reading and tackling and winning the ball and and being smart and making good decisions and then the passing side of the game is always going to come with it you know that's not the first skill that anybody ever teaches a, um, a center half you know rich ellis who's the one player if you had to choose that is key to continuing the team's current form uh who's the one player uh god I don't I don't know I don't I mean honestly I don't think there is any one player I think they're all playing really well I guess I guess Bedoya maybe Dojkal Doch, or Bedoya Medunian and I mean obviously is is Medunian and he I still think he's a defensive liability he got turnstiled styled last night um you know there's one instance in the early in the first half where I think when they hit the post I think it was Rooney that hit the post uh you know he was pointing to Trusty to get back and cover this guy when trust was sprinting back 30 yards and Madunian was just standing there so and uh, tommy smith of course did not explain anything tactically interesting about that play which is kind of another sidebar topic for another time but Derek says uh looking at the last eight games how many of them are a must win for us to get the fourth play play spot well you got to beat columbus at columbus i mean that's going to be the key um Yeah, after the Open Cup game, you have at Columbus, home to Minnesota, home to Red Bull, and at New York City FC. So I I don't – you know, with with that New York City game, maybe they're already solidified in a position where it doesn't matter for them and maybe they rest a guy or two. Uh, Red Bull, you can beat at home. Minnesota, you can beat at home. Columbus, I don't know what happens with that one. But if you can at least get a point out of there, you can put yourself in a situation where maybe you can – let me pull up the Columbus schedule and see what they have, because now we're getting to that point where it's kind of going team by team here and seeing, seeing how it boils down. So Columbus plays home to New York, at Dallas, at Portland. That's Those are three tough games. Home to Colorado win, home to Philadelphia, at Montreal, at Orlando, and home to Minnesota. Okay, so they get to beat up on Minnesota at home too. And they get at Montreal and at Orlando. Yeah, I mean, I don't – listen, I mean, that d- Dallas and at Portland, I mean, Philly might be fourth by that point. Um, you know, and then I think Columbus might get back in with a with a Colorado win and then the Union come in. So that's probably going to come down to the union, um, Union-Columbus game. Go figure. Um, where does Clint Dempsey fall on the list of all-time great USMNT players? God, I mean, top three, easily. I'd like to look back at his career and Landon's career and see who scored the bigger goals against the better teams. Um, You know, Dempsey, Clint had a couple big World Cup goals, but so did Landon. Um, God, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Clint had the better club career by far, you know, that that long stretch at Fulham where he scored a bunch of goals and went to Tottenham, uh, before coming back to, to Seattle land and really didn't play in Europe any, any meaningful minutes. You know, he kind of, I don't want to say padded his stadium, padded his stats, but you know, played the galaxy in San Jose and spent most of his career in MLS. So, uh, overall, I think Dempsey probably had a better career. Claudio Reina would be up there. I don't know how you compare those guys to goalkeepers either, but top three for sure. Probably top two. Um, Uh, EJ says the Union have talked about not playing for ties as a type of analytics approach, but is it sustainable strategy or just a fluke that they have so few this season? Uh, No, I mean I think on the road they're not—they're going out and trying to play the same style that they play at home, you know, and hope that that consistency can carry over from from venue to venue, you know. So it's not like they're—they're just showing so much more. They're actually trying to pass. They're trying to play. You know, and, and if they don't, so what? I mean, what's the alternative? you Are going to go to D.C. and you're going to shell up? You're going to bunker, give them 60% possession, then maybe score on the counter? I mean, I would, I would rather lose. You know, I know getting a point on the road is always good, but it doesn't matter if you lose two other road games if you win the third one and you get three to make up for it. What's the difference between three, three road draws playing a shitty style versus losing two road games and winning one? You get the same amount of points. Uh, and you get continuity in the style and the and the way that you play. So I don't I don't really I appreciate what they're doing this year. I, I don't I don't know too much about the um, analytics side of it, but it seems sustainable to me. Whatever they're doing, uh, Austin. Will the Union have a nine point week? Does that count as a hat trick? Uh, no, I don't. No, uh, yeah, maybe they will. Uh, does that count as a hat trick? No, it does not. Uh, Jack Fritz, is legendary. We're gonna snag that four seed, right? Uh, I have no idea. I mean the open cup is a huge uh, outlier in there. I really, I really have no idea what's gonna happen. Union and steel rumors, is Jim Curtin back next year or no? Uh I mean, like I said on the last podcast, I still just need to see the what happens throughout the whole throughout the entirety of the season. I mean, if this was any other sport and you had a manager who was you know, who led his team to losing records for four years in a row, three years in a row, and then he had a stretch where uh, they won five games in a row and you extended that coach based on that that sample size i think you'd be mad you know you wouldn't say uh let's extend chip kelly after two losing years just because he won five games in a row and he beat the redskins twice you know i mean i, I don't i just don't think you can i'm not saying they would do it right now but you need to see the whole body work for this year and is marisa do coming back from injury no uh, squad rotation for Saturday is Curtin going to screw this up? No, I think he rolls out the same eleven. A um, lot of questions about that. Um, another one from EJ: if, if winning points on the road is as easy as play like you do at home, why don't more teams do it? Uh, no, because they aren't good at home. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they've tried. They tried. Like I said, they tried this strategy last year bunker play for a point get out of there with some kind of positive but like i said you, you could take three points in one game um yeah like i just said you know uh union hulk here we go all right uh add a player in the philadelphia union price rating jk six dollars that would complement how this team has been rolling uh speaking of rolling you remember limp biscuit and those stupid red hats was that ever a good idea hey listen that album was shit Hot dog, uh, what was it? Chocolate hot dog, chocolate starfish in the hot dog water, the hot dog flavored water. Is that what it's called? Uh, but Limp Biscuit, man, the first album, three dollar bill, y'all, and uh, god, what was the name of the second album that had like Nookie and uh, just like this, and whatever was counterfeit on that one? No, counterfeit was on the first one. Um, nah, man, Limp Biscuit was all right back in the day. Look, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's not. I would not go around telling everybody that I was like a massive Limp Bizkit fan because I wasn't, but you probably watched TRL the same way that I did. And you probably hoped that Limp Bizkit was going to be Backstreet Boys, uh, even though the voting was was rigged, you know. It was Limp Bizkit and Corn versus Britney Spears and NSYNC for like the longest, longest time, you know. Uh, what does this team look like without Doge Call next year? Uh, they look like SK Bartholomew says they look like the 2017 Union. That's probably correct. Uh, Alex says, I don't know if it's too late or not to get a question in. No, it was not too late. Uh, but has Keegan been at a national team level to get another call-up chance? Uh, his basing has been much improved. He's turned into a Yedlin-style threat a bit coming up the side. Uh, has a bit of a shot now in his arsenal. Yeah, he had two good looks last night. Uh, yeah, short answer, yeah. I don't see why not. You know, Name me another right back in MLS who deserves more of a chance than Rosenberg. You know, I don't think there's one out there right now. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. A lot of good questions, y'all. Um, oh, and I, I uh, hope you appreciated me just talking nonstop for 39 minutes. But I said I was going to do the crossing broad uh, mean comments. So let me, uh, we'll end with that. And uh, la, 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 la. let's see what we got here. There's only like five of them. Uh, five comments. Alright, this one uh, is from JG It says, soccer doesn't count What do you mean it doesn't count? Count for what? doesn't count as a sport Two Soccer Podcast says Turns out, no one cares Well, you're wrong, Two Soccer Podcast Because uh, we had a lot of listeners to the last podcast So why don't you go fuck yourself? Jimmy the Greek says, I didn't know they existed. Seriously, soccer and the metric system belong in Europe, where they have nothing else. Yeah, you're right. They don't have anything else in Europe. They don't have wonderful food and people and architecture and historic cities that have existed for much longer than our entire country. You're right. All they have over there is... Soccer in the metric system. There's there's really nothing else redeeming about Europe. Uh, Jack says, this is the only real football team in town. And after watching Red Bull and Columbus play the last two weeks, those two can be had by Philly. Uh, Oh, that's a positive comment. That's not a bad comment. And uh, Chu says, you can't spell Arsenal without the Arse, which I think that we will all agree on. So we'll leave you with that. Arsenal and the Arse. Episode number 57 of It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia, Mailbag Podcast. Uh, I hope you appreciated me just blabbing for 40 minutes, and uh, next time I'll try to get Baxter involved. Expect the same, lives, many lives will be lost. Yes. There is a price to pay, how many lives will it cost? Come on! Since I had run with the devil, I'm one with the devil. Uh-huh. And I stay doing dirt so i uh-huh. come with the shot. Uh-huh. Is you on the level of a madman whose mind's twisted. Mad nigga's dreams caught the last train, my twisted. Listen as a manic depressive with extreme paranoia. Uh-huh. And dog, uh, uh-huh. I got something for you. Hey. Hear my name, feel my pain. Niggas wanna steal my fame, but first, feel my rage. Know what it's like to suffer. Uh-huh. Never have enough for shit. Starting off hard, then only getting rougher. What?